Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest on New Mexico United. I'm one of your hosts, Seth Benoff, and after a very extended break, Jacob and I are finally back with news about United, the USL, MLS, and so many things that are just going on around the world with regarding the world of soccer, both abroad and here in the U.S. It's been three months basically since we've been since we were last on the air. Let's just there's nothing really to to housekeep about. Let's get right into it. Let me bring in my partner, my co-host Jacob. Jacob, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Um, we are finally have maybe some USL games on the horizon to look forward to, and we got soccer. The Premier League just started. The Bundesliga's been going for a little while. Uh, MLS is coming back next month. I mean, it uh, it is all looking good so far. Uh, hopefully nothing bad happens between now and then, and we can continue to have games from everywhere around the world and, and just enjoy soccer again for the first time in, in months, man. It's been great. It has been a very long wait indeed. It's been th- just over three months to the day now since New Mexico United last took to the pitch. And with the news coming out la- late last week um, stating that the USL is, has set a date to return to play of July 11th, we, I think we all, I think it's fair to say, we all got super excited for what was going to happen in the coming weeks and months ahead to see how the USL was going to do things. And what was your initial reaction to the USL announcing a date? I was kind of surprised. Um, if we were going off of Jake Edwards, um, I don't know exactly what his title is, president or president, yep. president of the USL. Um, his comments here quite a while back kind of stuck with me where he said that the USL is a basically an attendance-driven league, even though not a lot of teams draw real well, but... You know, they don't have a massive TV deal like the MLS and and NBA and Premier League and all them do. So they are kind of they kind of thrive off having fans attend the games. And when he was saying that, I was like, well, then there's no way that they come back uh, unless they can work out a new deal for for TV rights, because there's just there. I, I didn't see a way where fans were going to be able to attend these games and it it looks like that's still going to be the case. In fact, we've got, uh, I got an email from New Mexico United saying that that was going to be the case, uh, unless the local government eased up on stuff. But, um, I, I just was surprised that, that we were actually going to have a season to be honest. Cause I think when this whole first thing happened, I told you one of the first podcasts we had after they canceled the rest of the season that I didn't think we were coming back. So, I'm excited to know we're coming back. I'm excited to learn details of of how it's going to work. We have an article that we'll talk about uh, that was from Jeff Reuter on The Athletic um, that kind of details a few things about it, but we still don't know who we're playing, uh, when we're playing them, uh, how often we'll be playing, how many games we're going to play, if there's going to be playoffs. Um, we don't know a lot of the finer details, but we do know that there will be USL soccer played this year um, unless something unforeseen comes up again. Yeah. The news just basically came out of nowhere. Um, you know, you and I, Jacob, you and I both follow sports in general. Uh, and so this kind of came on the heels of the MLS announcement that they would also be returning in July with a MLS's back tournament in Orlando. Now, 
while we are specifically a New Mexico United podcast, we do talk about other leagues and things around the world. And so one of the things that really struck me as far as differences go between the MLS path to return and the USL is that the MLS has decided to have basically a hub city, which is Orlando for this tournament. And there, and we can talk about this later if you want. The finer details of this tournament are absolutely intricate, and I'm amazed at what they've decided to do with that. But the USL, on the other hand, has decided to forego that and allow teams to play in their home markets. Now, other leagues like the NBA has talked about playing in a, in a hub city as well, and they're going down to, I believe, Orlando also. Um, which do you feel is the better option for the USL? Should the USL have picked a, a hub city? I know they talked about Phoenix as one or possibly Tucson as, as another possible hub city for matches to be played in for the foreseeable future. Is it better for the clubs and the league as a whole to have it played in home markets? Or do you think it's better for them to have done come with the, the hub idea? Well, with without fans in the stadium, um, it, it doesn't seem to matter all that much. Uh, because I mean, we talked we talked briefly before we started. Um, not having fans in the lab for a New Mexico United game is gonna nullify, in my opinion, a lot of the home field advantage um, that would normally come with that. Or if you take a look at last year's home results and how we seem to not be able to hold on to a lead here, uh, maybe it's a good thing that we're not going to have fans there. Maybe it was too much pressure on the, some of the home players. I don't know. But all in all, I don't I don't care. We'll, we'll say that right off the top. I'm just happy that there's soccer back in the USL. I think that the hub design, hub hub the hub city way of doing things... Um, works for the NBA that has billionaire owners that can foot the bill for a two month hotel for 40 people and food to feed them and everything like that. I don't know if that bill is necessary, if the, if the money involved how exactly it would play out, but I can't imagine that's very cheap and would I, I think it would be more expensive than doing it the other way. So I think that probably factored into it to some extent where, you know, we don't have these owners that can can pay that kind of money to to put people up for that long. So I think financially speaking, this was the best way to go. And uh, I don't know if it's easier. I know that there's obviously going to be more risk of players or coaches or uh, medical staff or something like that catching the, the virus, but um, I think it's probably a risk that the USL has to take, uh, given their stature amongst professional leagues here in America. But um, what are your thoughts? Do you think would the hub city idea have worked better in your head, or or do you agree that it's a little more expensive and would have been more of a problem for owners in the USL, or? Am I just making things up? No, I think the expense is definitely the, probably the biggest factor in this. Uh, if you were to, you know, say put a club up, you know, for two months, three months, however long the, the league is going to play once they do come back, uh, that would definitely affect the, these owners. Now, it would benefit in that you could 
more closely monitor where your players and staff and you know, employees are at to help ensure that their safety during all of this, um, instead of everyone being um, you know in the, in their home markets and able to you know be out of their homes and you can't really you know keep track of everybody. Although you would hope that everyone is of course you know following you know any guidelines that are in place with the, with the local governments. Um, that being said, though, I think um, there's a huge advantage to the USL to play in their home markets in that they can continue to have multiple matches going on at the same time, unlike with what MLS is doing. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm assuming the ESPN broadcasts are still going to happen. Um, and so, you know, you've still got fans still have the ability to go out and, you know, follow the club and watch the matches. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, especially here in town, like bars and breweries have started reopening um, to at least a certain capacity percentage. So you're probably going to have watch parties and things like that. Um, but I think as a whole, I, I think, I think it's going to benefit the USL uh, in being able to have, you know, everyone playing um, now you mentioned off the top of the article by Jeff, by Jeff Reuter, and it goes into quite a bit of detail, which he just updated earlier today regarding, um, travel and lodging as far as the players and, and stuff like that. And uh, I think as I think as I mentioned, uh, covered or approved personnel. Um, so like there's, um, they're going to have full competition guidelines according to the article, uh, and structures released next week. Um, now there is a link to a, a, another article that the athletic first put out in April to help cut down on travel distance and costs. Uh, that of course would help the clubs. Um, and so it talks about how they're going to travel, you know, how to, you know, distance themselves. Um, only roommates can sit together. Uh, traveling members of the club have to wear masks while on, on buses. Um, you know, if they're flying, um, personnel can't travel unless they're together, unless they're roommates. And so this document, this agreement that's been put out there has been, is like super detailed. And I think the USL has really tried to do the best they can to cross all their T's and dot all their I's to try and help make sure that the players and coaching staffs and personnel are safe um, throughout this model. Yeah. I think that, all of these major clubs are are not going to jump in and jeopardize uh, the safety of the players and and coaches and whatnot um, just to make a buck. Which I was worried that at one point that was going to be the case, but it seems like all of these leagues are really thinking things through and trying to figure things out um, and trying to make sure everybody's as safe as possible. I think the uh, the MLS way of doing it is pretty interesting to me. Um, the the schedule, I'm really interested to see what the schedule is for the USL um, and see how many games they're trying to pack into this. But uh, I, I want to talk briefly about the MLS schedule because I'm excited about it, for one. Um, basically, they're going to have, they have six groups, um, one of six teams, the rest of them have four teams each. You're going to play three games in your group. The top two point getters will move on to the knockout round, 
And then four, the four highest scoring third place teams will move on to the knockout round. But this round robin to begin with, with like a World Cup format that they're talking about, they're basically going to have a game at, I believe, seven o'clock our time Mm -hmm. in the morning. And then two more in the evening. I don't remember those times exactly, but I think they're six and eight thirty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, yeah lo- local time here in in New Mexico, and um, that's going to go on for sixteen days. So for sixteen days, we get three MLS games a day. Uh, we get to wake up in the morning and watch one, and then we get to go to bed watching them theoretically all and on national broadcast too. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm I'm very very excited about that. Now, that's not something that the USL is going to be able to do with this format that they have chosen um, of traveling and, and having the teams play in their home venue. But uh, I will see, I will, I mean, I'm excited to see if there's some creativity there and um, they maybe spread them out more. So, like you were saying, yeah, we can have games going on multiple games at a time. But if you're looking at a TV product, that's not necessarily the greatest thing. And if they, so I, I assume, like you said, I assume that the ESPN plus broadcasts are going to be the way to watch it. Still. Um, I'll be interested to see if home game or if nationally broadcast games are more frequent than in the regular season schedule that we had uh, before all this happened, just because I know that, Live sports draw better than most of the ESPN stage or studio shows or whatever you want to call them. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to push more of those out, especially if with the MLS, if they're splitting that with Fox, uh, which I assume to see some games on Fox as well. Um, in fact, does MLS even carry? Or does ESPN even carry MLS games? Well, I know ESPN Plus Occasionally, does. Yeah, usually like a, a Sunday game. I think it's like Sunday Night okay. Soccer or something. It's been so long, I can't remember. Um, and the NBA is going to be sharing with ESPN and ABC and TNT. So it's like they're going to have some live sports, but this is a product that they know does fairly well in certain markets. So I wouldn't be surprised to see us on national TV a few more times if they decide to do that. So I'm curious to see if they reworked some of that, some of those contracts to get a little more money from ESPN and a few more local or a few more nationally televised games. Um, And if they do that, then are they going to have more Tuesday night or Thursday night or Wednesday night or even Monday night? Uh, Are we going to see more weeknight games? Um, when other leagues aren't necessarily as prominent on TV. It's entirely possible. And then you also have to think too, this is coming at a time where, I mean, golf is starting to come back NBA. I think, I think you may set a date. I, I'm, I'm not too it up on NBA. July 30th is when July it's 30th. supposed to start, but there has been some pushback from some of the players. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. If, if and when that actually happens. But either way, you're basically going to have a month, half a month anyways, without that when the USL starts because they're supposed to, they're slated to start the 11th. Yeah, there's no, no Major League Baseball, no NFL, no college football. 
So this is a goal. This this very well could be a golden opportunity for the USL to really basically dominate the ESPN airwaves, given the given that that's where their broadcast rights deal is. Mm-hmm. Um, another question to go along with that is how does how does this affect local television rights deals? Um, you know, we've heard nothing officially has been announced that New Mexico United does have a have, does have an agreement with a local broadcast partner. We don't know who. We do know that we have broadcast teams, both in Spanish and English language uh, broadcasts. But how, do you think we get to see? Do we, does the club still announce that? Does that still go forward as another possible outlet for uh, viewership for for supporters of the club? I. I can't see where that would change necessarily unless unless ESPN in the new deal was like, okay, well, you can have X amount more national broadcast games, but you can't have local broadcasts during those games. Um, so it's, it's, I, I expect we'll still see a few, at least, I don't know how many, but I expect that the broadcast teams will still be used and will... Um, will still be announced and and cuz i think they had uh they had this they had them do they've been doing these rewatchable sh- or games from last year on Twitch and stuff and they had one game where the spanish crew called the first half and then the english crew called the second half or vice versa i can't remember now but um so they're still using them they're still trying to keep them fresh it seems like so i fully expect to see them in some capacity on some stations here locally. One of the things that you and I talked about before, well, really in our last episode was the financial impact of this on the clubs. Now in a, in the email that you mentioned earlier from the club in a video, in a video that Peter sent out, um, it appears as though New Mexico United will be playing behind closed doors for, uh, whatever matches are to be played this season. Um, the financial impact of this has been discussed at great length and, a couple of news stories came out during the middle of all of this that kind of brought things to a head between um, the USL and the USLPA, and it, spo- it spilled over into the supporters groups. Um, so the USL, much like other club, much like other leagues, did ask their players to take a possible pay cut. Um, you know, during the course of this or um, of the course of this pandemic that we're dealing with. And as part of the agreement that came out this week, the USL and the USLPA agreed that the players would not take a pay cut of any kind during this. And it was also announced, I believe a couple of weeks ago that the USL had managed, I think it was like five and a half million dollar emergency fund that was going to be distributed among all 47 clubs between the USL Championship and League One. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, and I heard this mentioned by Jeff uh, Jeff Reuter on the ESPN Radio 117, the team here in town um, yesterday, actually. Um, and he talked about, you know, that's, I think it's like $147,000 for every club, basically, is what it boils down to, or somewhere in that. I don't know the exact math off the top of my head, but it makes a huge difference for these clubs, you know, when you've got, um, you know, player salaries and things like that. And I I think it does help. Um, Do you think that 
the USL and the USLPA made the correct decision to uh, agree to no pay cuts for the players. And do you think that do you think that not having the match day revenue is still going to play a a factor in what happens you know, at next season? Like, do we still see clubs possibly fold? It, it's going to be hard. I, I don't know if we'll see some fold. I My guess is we'll probably see a couple fold um, just because, I mean, we see a couple fold every offseason, it seems like. So wouldn't be surprised if we see one or two more or even more than that with the state of everything. As far as the the players not taking a pay cut and stuff, I mean, it's, a, it's hard because if I come out here and I say, no, they should have agreed to take a pay cut because everybody's financially struggling right now, then I seem anti-player. And I'm not. Because these guys right. don't, they don't make a lot of money to begin with. Um, so it's not like these, the NBA and Major League Baseball and everybody else, these big sports that, you know, the minimum is almost a million dollars. Um, and if you cut pay from the top percentage of players in the league, you know, they're still going to be fine. It's not like that in the USL. It's it's very different in the USL. Um, but I, I will see, I do, I will say that I see both sides of, you know, if, if they, if, since they're not taking a pay cut, that's going to put a lot more teams in financial jeopardy, I think, uh, because that is a lot of money coming out of these teams that they're not making. And without having match day revenue, like, so New Mexico United, I think, is a little bit different because I, I still think that with our passionate fan base that they're still selling merch, they're still doing things, they're going to have... Um, with for the season ticket holders this year, they offered three different options on what they could do with them. They could ask for a refund, they could roll them over to next year, or they could donate them to the Somos Unidos Foundation, which is a nonprofit that New Mexico United started. Um, and I think New Mexico is probably financially pretty good after last year and the ticket sales that they had and the merch sales that they had. And, um, the fact that we had some players on the back end of the roster that weren't making much and um, they did come out this year and I think probably paid a little more for their um, roster than they did last year, but I still think financially they'll be fine. So it's hard because I don't, I don't know the other teams all that well. I think the MLS two teams are going to be fine um, because they have the parent club as some financial backers there and, it's more of these independent sides that I'm like, yeah, like I look at Tulsa who just sold and rebranded and did all this. And I'm like, I hope that they can survive since they just went under once. I hope that they can um, not get any money this first year and be able to come back. So it'll be interesting to see how much they're getting from the television deal. And, and like you said, this, this emergency fund that they have, and and that is, it doesn't sound like a lot per team, but in the USL, that is quite a bit of money. So hopefully it can, uh, can bridge the gap until next year when hopefully we can start, uh, having fans back and, and making the money again and, and not having all this craziness going on. Do you think the USL is wrong to ask the players to take a pay cut? No, 
Um, and that's going to be kind of a, I know for a fact that it's kind of a controversial statement. Um, but look, everybody's hurting right now and the owners have to be hurting right now. Um, and the players are paid to play. And for a while they weren't playing. Um, so I, I, to me, it just makes perfect sense that uh, they, they're within their right to at least ask or at least can converse about it and talk about it and, and try to find ways to have everybody take a hit, but not as big of a hit as some, because you have to imagine the owners, I mean, they're paying, I know New Mexico United anyways, is paying all of their employees. They didn't lay anybody off um, through all of this. They're paying all their players, all their coaches. Um, so it's basically paying everything that they would for a normal season without any of the revenue that's created from a normal season aside from merch sales, because you know, they still do good in merch sales. Um, so yeah, I, am I wrong in saying that? I know some people will disagree with what I said. And, um, some people, there's a Facebook group on, uh, that's USL fans. And there's a couple people in there that are very adamant about playing, paying the players and whatnot. And I, and I understand it and I'm excited that they're getting their full pay. Like that's great. Uh, but I don't think it was wrong for the owners to ask for them to take a pay cut. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Um, I definitely think that you know, USL is within their rights to do it. Like you said, the players aren't playing. It's not their you know, not their fault. But in an, in an effort to try and keep clubs solvent, I don't think it's unfair to ask of it. Like, of course, I, I'm all for people getting paid, you know, for their jobs. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I can understand you know the league asking. Uh, I'm glad the players are not having to pick a, a, take a pay cut. I think it's great for them. Um, and honestly, like, if there are owners that can't be paying their players during all this, I think there was news that came out. Uh, I think it was like RSL or the or uh, or maybe somewhere over there they were like furloughing their employees. I'm like, this is a guy that's worth a couple billion dollars, I believe, and he's laying off employees. And so I think that's where, like, you know, like our ownership, you know, uh, Peter Trevisani and the ownership group here, I think they've done a fantastic job, you know, paying the employees throughout all of this, you know, paying the players. Um, I think that they've done it the right way. Uh, you know, again, like I said, I, I, I also want to say that I think that the animosity that went out towards Jake Edwards and USL leadership um, by various different supporters groups, um, was a little unwarranted. Like it's not the USL as a whole. It's not the USLs as I'm sorry, as a, as a, as a corporation, they're not the ones paying the players. It's the individual clubs. It's the owners that are paying them. It's not coming out of the USL's chuck, you know, checkbook, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I think the animosity directed towards Jake Edwards is, was a little, you know, overblown like it's not his fault i mean you see other leagues you know major league baseball you know the players are they're trying to get the players to come down from like i think it's like 1.5 billion dollars worth of worth of uh in pay this year yeah like that's that's what the players are gonna are currently going to make at this point 1.5 billion dollars in salary 
and the owners want them to come down from that. So it's not other leagues. Certainly, I mean, look at the Premier League. Premier League players were voluntarily taking pay cuts to pay for uh, support staff for mm-hmm. other employees in the clubs without it even being an issue. So I don't think it's unfair that the USL asked, but I am glad that the players are not having to take a pay cut. So I, I think it's worked out for the best um, for the league. I agree. And if this was a normal year without COVID and everything was just running smoothly, then I I fully side with the players union um, because I know, I mean, I've read uh, previous Jeff Ruder articles and other articles over at the athletic about the USL and how poorly some of these teams treat their players and how they don't have health benefits and they don't have this and they don't have that. And, and it's terrible. So there's definitely a players union needed um, for this to be continue to grow and thrive and grow into a top tier sports league in America. But this is not a normal year and right. there are times to fight that battle. And there are times where, you fight battles, but not like for if the USL players association was really trying to get everything that they were going to try to get during a regular season. Now you have to take into account that this is unprecedented and the economy is in a sinkhole right now. And it's, it's just not warranted to be, coming at the USL as a whole and now certain teams deserve it. I will say Um, certain teams definitely need to raise their game up. Um, I am excited that in that article that I read about the, the teams that were treating their players properly, Mexico United was one of the top teams to be doing that. And that's just goes to Trevor or Pete. Yeah, Peter Trevisani and the ownership and the front office over there that they're just continuing to try to thrive and do this the right way and make sure this lasts for New Mexico fans and and whatnot. But I that's a subject that I'm almost even hesitant to speak on just because I don't know. None of us know solid, solid details on it because the USL contracts are private. So we right. don't know who makes what and what the 18th man on the bench or on the roster is getting paid compared to the top player on the roster. You don't know any of these things. So without knowing that stuff, it's hard to be like, yeah, these guys need more. Uh, that being said, I, I, I know that several of the players need more and would deserve more um, and need more to survive and live off of. And if you don't make those changes and you don't make changes with, health insurance and stuff like that, then that's where the league is going to crumble because players will stop wanting to come and play. Um, so I'm all for all that. Uh, I think we just need to take a step back and look at the situation that we have with COVID and um, everything going on right now econ- with the economy anyways, and realize, yeah, that things are different right now. And we need to kind of take that into account when we're trying to fight for certain things. Yeah. And it's worth noting too, that this agreement here between the USL and the USLPA only applies to championship level clubs. It does not apply to, to league one. Um, below league one is of course, you know, uh, semi-pro or amateur level uh, clubs. Um, more of like an academy style stuff. So USL league one is still not 
does not have an agreement as far as return to play goes. Um, so hopefully that gets sorted out in the not too distant future. So we can see uh, league one continue as well, whether it's a season or next season. Um, and one thing we've talked about off and on throughout the show is, is the fan attendance. Now we've already mentioned that it, it's most likely that New Mexico United will be playing behind closed doors for the remainder of the season. You mentioned that the club is offering uh, different options as far as what the season ticket holders can do. And there are also options out there uh, for those who just have like single uh, single match tickets uh, as well. I believe there's a, a – I think you may have mentioned earlier, but they can donate their tickets for a chance. Uh, they get If they do that, they get entered for a chance to travel with the club to, to an away match next year. So United is doing a lot of cool things to try to help fans as far, going forward. Now – there has been stuff in the news about how Texas is opening back up to sports events and they're going to start allowing people back in. Um, other areas, not so much like we've heard of areas in California where they're saying it's shut down, you know, through August. Um, and as far as other areas in the country, like we just, we don't know. Um, and this agreement between the USL and the USLPA does spell out a whole bunch of guidelines um, as far as what will happen with fan attendance. Um, and the opening line in, in Jeff, uh, Jeff's article uh, does say that while local governance will likely limit fan attendance at matches if it's condoned at all, the USL agreement also spells out best practices and requirements for hosting fans should they be allowed. Now, I don't, I'm not going to read this you know, word for word, but to go over a few of these, like um, if fans travel with the club, which isn't likely to happen, they have to board the fan, they have to board the plane before the club does. Um, agreement states that teams should be ta- should take reasonable efforts to deter fans from singing or chanting. Uh, no giveaways. Um, basically, um, let's see. Teams will be asked to offer concessions in individually wrapped packages. Uh, so like. There's a whole bunch of stuff here, like you can't march into the stadium, can't march out of the stadium, uh, you know, things like that. Like, even if there are areas where they're allowing people back into the stadiums, do you think it's worth the effort with all of these restrictions? Now, I don't think any of these restrictions are by any means outrageous, but do you think that this, do you think a club should even allow fans back in? I think I think they will if their state allows it. Now, whether they should or not is a different story. Uh, I can't see how you're going to keep teams from chanting or singing or yelling or cheering, um, which, which when I skimmed through that article, that was the one that stuck out to me. Like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Everything else made sense to me, but that one I was just like, guys, I mean – you can't you can't stop people from from yelling and screaming uh, if a goal if a if a goal is scored and everybody yells that's that's the same as singing and chanting to me so I don't don't quite understand it um, but I still think that as long as teams can abide by these guidelines and their state allows it they will do it if not. If, if only just for the revenue that it'll create um, because that they need that. And it just goes back to the money situation that we were just talking about. So I think if your state is allowing it, uh, you'll do whatever you can to follow these guidelines and you'll, 
you'll get butts in the seats there. Um, I don't think New Mexico will be in that situation, uh, given our state's leadership and uh, honestly the club's leadership. I don't think I don't think Peter and the group over there would put people at risk by opening it up to fans, even if the governor came out and allowed it. Um, so yeah, that basically, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Peter and the club have been very outspoken and very supportive of the governor and all of her actions and have just continued to put out content, encouraging folks to socially distance themselves, to try to help spread the help spread COVID, uh, help or help prevent the spread of COVID. I should say, um, have you been watching, let me ask you, have you been watching any of the premier league or Bundesliga matches? And, you know, we know that they don't have any fans in the stands. Like how does that feel to you not seeing that? And, or, and have you seen any of the ones where they've pumped in like artificial noise or put artificial noise on the broadcast? So I haven't watched any of the premier league games. They've only been going for a couple days and I haven't had the chance cause I've been working. Uh, I've watched quite a bit of the Bundesliga and, um, I, I don't, I don't notice a difference too much since we're not there. And honestly, with when I watch something on TV, no matter what it is, I tune most of it out and just focus on watching it. Or I have it on the background and I just listen to the announcers. And if they get excited, then I look. Um, but what I what I have to imagine as as a former athlete in high school and a little bit after that, it's without fans cheering it's a completely different game um it, it and i i went to go bring this up before we started but then i said i'd save it for the podcast and i feel really bad for the new guys on the team uh that won't be able to play in front of 15,000 crazy screaming fans at the lab um cuz i imagine that's part if not all, not not all, but it's definitely part of why they came to us and why they wanted to play for us and not, you know, Tacoma. No offense, Tacoma, but um, Tacoma's going to feel right at home with us. Yeah, it's it's not going to make a difference for some teams, but um, like I, I feel like they have to be like, well, that kind of sucks since we wanted to come play. Like Kalen Ryden. He's talked about playing in front of the fans and what it was like playing here last year when we beat them down five to one and and the atmosphere that was there and everything. And, you know, he talked about that and talked about it being kind of a, a factor in why he wanted to come play for us and because of our fan base and the passion that we have. And now, granted, we still have that passion. It's just we can't display it like we would normally do had we have. 15,000 fans at a stadium. So I genuinely feel bad for them and, and uh, hope that um, most of them are on two year contracts at least so that they have one more year to, to come back and, and experience that. Maybe what we need on match days is, uh, you know, get together with uh, some of the other outlets here in town, some of the other groups of fans and, you know, just like do a parade around town or something, you know, just making as much noise and flying flags and, you know, trying to get as close to Ice Stops Park as we can, you know, so hopefully that those guys know that, you know, we are there supporting them, even though we can't be in the stadium with them. Yeah, that's, that is something that I am, I would imagine that we might see um, with everything that the curse has done, um, supporting and doing drive-bys for the nurses and, 
and stuff like that. I can't imagine that they would just want to sit idly by uh, on a match day uh, if there was a chance of doing a little drive-by parade um, for the club somewhere. And and I, I'd be definitely excited for that and down for that and uh, would love to see that uh, some way anyways, even if it's just a video um, sent over to the guys and, and let them know that, hey, we might not be in the stadium for the match, but we're still here. We're still behind you. We're still rooting for you, and we still want you guys to do the best that you guys can do. Yeah, so, I mean, July 11th, USL is going to be restarting. Uh, I know we can't wait. Um, we're going to try to figure out you know, what the deal is as, as far as media access goes with all this. Um, don't know how it's going to be. Like I know uh, a friend of ours, Andrew Gunn, has been doing some writing for the Daily Lobo uh, up at the Roundhouse, and they are letting – you know, small amounts of media in for that. So maybe we'll see something similar down at Isops Park and we can continue, can continue to bring you match day coverage uh, once the league does restart. Um, outside of that, there really wasn't a whole lot of news, but there was one tiny little tidbit of news. I don't know if you caught it or not. Kind of made, made the rounds, you know, a, a, a day or two ago. But uh, New Mexico United and the state are still going forward with funding for the multicultural center and sports complex that was approved in the budget uh, late last year, early this year. Uh, Peter Trevisani did come out and stated that sites are still being investigated. So I don't, I don't know if you caught that or not, but another bit of news that folks have been asking about and, you know, I did some digging into it back when uh, when they were going through the line item stuff, and it wasn't removed then. It's good to see that still the state's still willing to put that capital outlay fund out there for the club to use. Yeah, I'm glad that we're we're still moving forward with that. At first, I was a little concerned before I saw the the little news bit that we were going to still go forward with it. I was concerned that hey, you know, we uh, that might get delayed or it might might not happen now because of this. And I was, I was genuinely concerned financially for the club and for the state, if that was going to be able to happen. So I'm definitely excited to see that sites are still being looked at and hopefully we can keep moving forward and, um, you know, in a couple of years have a stadium to play in. Yeah, definitely going forward. I, I think it's a good sign. Um, that that's still going to happen. It, it shows that Peter and the ownership group, are, are still invested in this club. I mean, not that they wouldn't be, but they're invested in the future of this club and that they're, they're invested in the economic future of Albuquerque and the state of New Mexico. And they think that this is going to help be a large part of the rebuilding process, of the recovery process, once we get out of the COVID-19 crisis. All right, well... I don't know. I, I didn't have any other news this week. I think we, we hit on all the major stuff. Um, guys, please go check out the article from Jeff Ruder over on the, on the athletic. If you, if you haven't already, um, I think right now you can get like a 30 day free trial. Um, so go check that out. Uh, and there's just a lot of good stuff. The athletic has some great coverage, especially from Jeff on the USL. Uh, so please check that out. Um, Jacob, I know you and I have another podcast to record here in just a few minutes. Um, but I, before we close out of here, I do want to say, you know, guys, you know, we're excited to be back. We're excited that soccer's back. Um, I don't know if we'll be back next week with another Suncast. Um, 
But as soon as there's more news from the club or the USL, we will be back to bring you guys that. Uh, we certainly didn't expect to be gone for three months um, you know, from talking about soccer. I'm sure you feel the same way, Jacob, as far as that goes. And, you know, it's just it's super exciting. I mean, we want to be back every week, bring you guys as much New Mexico United related content as we can. Yeah, I fully, fully agree there that I'm I'm so glad we're back. So glad we have something to talk about and something to look forward to. And and I think we'll have some announcement between now and next week that hopefully we can dive into a little bit more and um, and go over and maybe know who we're playing or when we're playing or something like that. There was one more bit of USL news that uh, happened in the last 24 or so hours that I was going to bring up to you. Um, oh, yeah. The Las Vegas Lights uh, coach Eric Winalda got re- let go, uh, fired, released. What I don't know what you want to call it because it's it's been kind of strange the reporting that's coming out of there. Um, but uh, everything that I'm kind of seeing is pointing to financial reasons and disagreements between uh, the coach and the front office, while well, the owner mainly on how they they want to run the club and stuff like that and. Um, that's, it's just one more thing where, you know, we're talking about the financial stability of clubs, you know, if that was a financially based move, um, I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen more of those yet, but, um, he was a big name, um, former U S soccer star, um, that I'm sure that they were paying a pretty penny for to be their head coach and, um, sad to see it happen. He was, I mean, when you have star power like that and Len Donovan and Tim Howard and, and stuff like that associated with the league, uh, that's going to get a few more eyeballs and losing one of those three already um, after just one year coaching the Las Vegas Lights is is um, could spell some trouble for the league in the future, depending on how we recover from all this. Yeah, it was definitely shocking news coming out of Las Vegas. Uh, I wasn't expecting it. Um, Jeff actually, Jeff Ruder actually talked about it on the radio uh, here in town uh, on one hundred one seven. The team and at the time, like they really didn't have a whole lot of information. Like there were rumors that it was because he had made an off color comment. Rumors because he was supporting President Trump uh, on social media. Uh, there was a rumor floated that floated around saying that he was holding practices when he wasn't supposed to. Um, and then the article came out where that you mentioned where uh, Eric Winalda basically placed the blame all on the lights ownership and basically saying they don't want to pay for anything. Well, I, who knows? I'm sure you know. I mean, there's two sides of the, of every story, and then there's the truth. Um, so I mean, I feel for 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 Eric Winalda for the lights uh, players and supporters. I mean, Winalda had done a good job with them last year. Um, I don't know. Maybe if the Las Vegas Lights owners hadn't done so many cash drops on the field, maybe they could have kept him. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it, it's just, yeah, it, it could be an omen for things to come for both the Lights and uh, the USL as a whole. But um, I, I think that there will always be another name, another someone, you know, interested uh, in coming in and, you know, getting their start as a, as a manager. Yeah, I hope so. I hope it's not a precursor to more bad things to come. So, uh, but it, it if it did end up being financially motivated, then then that worries me a little bit. Um, but we'll see. Well, we're about to get the season started back up, and 
hopefully that means that no more teams will be doing anything like this. And um, hopefully that was just more of a disagreement between coach and owner because uh, that happens quite a bit. Um, so hopefully that's more of what it was than anything else. But other than that, I, I think that was the last thing that I necessarily wanted to bring up. And like you said, just excited to be back, excited to be talking soccer again and and hope that we have more to build off of next week or in a couple weeks at least. All right. I think that's going to do it uh, for us. We're going to get back into the swing of things with this, with uh, with the Suncast as the weeks go on. Um, but before we do get out of here, we do want to remind you guys, you can, of course, of course, reach out to us across social media and via email. Uh, on Twitter, we are Somos Unidos News and at the Suncast. You can find us on Instagram under Somos Unidos News. Uh, Jacob, do we have a Facebook group yet? For this, we do. We have. We do. Okay. Uh, for a while, yeah. There's a Somos Unidos News page that has been up for over a year now. Um, so, yeah, you, you can check us out on Facebook and get a hold of us there. Um, our boy Earl Nieto uh, does wonderful things over there with the posts and keeping that active and keeping you guys engaged. And um, so, yeah, go check that out. Uh, that's basically it. That's all I got. Uh, email us. Yep. Do whatever you got to do. Yeah, you got Earl on the show at some point. We got to do that. Um, but yeah, uh, email us, jacob at dadventuresmedia.com. Uh, I am Seth at dadventuresmedia.com. Uh, and of course, we do have our website, dadventuresmedia.com forward, forward slash Somos Unidos, where we'll post all of our match recaps, previews, and news as we get it. Uh, so, and, and as always, of course, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. Um, and we are basically on every podcast service. You name it, we're probably on it. If we're not there, let us know. We will get the podcast out there. Uh, for Jacob, for myself, that's going to do it for the, sun, for the Suncast for this week. We will see you guys next time. official podcast of Somos Unidos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff2 on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.